Context Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context Podcast. Today it is me, Ian Williamson, and uh, our good friend Graham Thompson. How are you doing, Graham? All right, buddy. You? Yeah, not too bad. So, what we're going to be waffling on about today, mate? Well, uh, we uh, there a blog come out um, from our old friend Steve Neal, wasn't there? Uh, um, he's doing doing the rounds. I think he he does a few different topics, and he's. He's touched on theological education again um, and uh, the need for, uh, in, his, in Steve's view, I, I guess, um, the need for more uh, apprentice-like training for pastors um, uh, rather than going away to college and that and uh, getting stuck into the, the nuts and bolts of ministry rather than maybe writing loads of essays. Now, um, it's a topic we talked a little bit about before. But uh, we thought it'd be uh, especially relevant in the minute, soon as you're being a class traitor and going off and uh, doing a master's or whatever you're doing. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But what, like, obviously, I could ask you, how did you train for, for ministry? But uh, you did it with me. So I, I kind of know the answer to that. But uh, what, what were it about uh, the course that we did that were good, that were bad, um, that could be improved with, with regard that Martin might be watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> the most attractive thing to me was it was cheap. Yeah. Uh, looked at other courses, I couldn't afford to do any of those courses. Uh, and another thing which had implication on, on finance was it was also distance learning with uh, two residentials a year, which meant I didn't have to pack my job in, which again, I couldn't afford to do. So accessibility, it, mm-hmm. it was accessible for me. It was affordable to me and it was wasn't quite local but it was regional I didn't have to travel too far it was it was in uh, West Yorkshire which wasn't too far for me to travel from Teesside yeah so I think the accessibility uh, and the affordability was the main uh, encouragement for me to join that course yeah uh, yeah and it, it were a good course wasn't it it, well, it, it kind of allowed us to do to listen broadly a lot of different guys from different backgrounds and stuff because it used to, what used to be iTunes U um, <laughs> University and that. And uh, we could listen to, to, to really top uh, level lectures and that. But to take Steve's point just for a minute, do you think we do need to think about more of an apprentice model for um, training pastors in the UK? Is Did you feel you were practically and... Um, enabled and skilled up and you were allowed to learn alongside people did was that opportunity there do you think it's there for other guys in different circumstances to you so practically it was a, a, of absolutely no use whatsoever for me in my context or probably any other context to be honest uh, you cannot learn how to pastor a church in any context from being in seminary uh, the best place to learn how to pastor a local church is in a local church. Uh, I think that's scriptural. I think uh, discipleship and theological training should be given by a pastor to the next generation of uh, pastors. And uh, I'm not against getting any extra learning, but I think being a pastor is something that you learn uh, from other pastors rather than in a in a, in a seminary. Uh, I think theological training is good, and sometimes you have to go outside of your camp, which I did. I didn't have access to any good theological training. So what was good for me was 
it introduced me to reform theology and gave me a very good grounding uh, in that. And uh, yeah, the biblical training was was really good. But regards the practical, I was doing that. I was being a pastor. I was I was a, I'd been a chaplain. I was preaching. I was uh, running a. a church organization the reason i did that course was because i was also a heretic so and i was it, gonna say it was a good job you did uh did learn outside your tribe didn't it because you, you were a bit theologically nuts when when we first met yeah yeah you're so, only slightly now <laughs> yeah but the practical side came from learning do you know what i mean there was some men that i, I worked alongside who theologically quite different to me and I probably wouldn't agree with but pastorally were, were second to none unbelievable and I think that's the sad thing that in, in I'm not saying that all charismatic churches aren't reformed and there will be some reformed charismatics out there but what I found was pastorally I was pastored better by charismatic pastors than I was by reformed pastors the reform pastors I met were very good in equipping me theologically, but discipling me and helped me through uh, applying the theology that they knew to my life. They were weren't very good at, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and we do need to find more opportunities for lads coming into ministry to 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 get alongside and learn, don't we? Even in even just in in our local churches, we got members coming up who we think might have a, a bit of gifting and character and that. We need to provide opportunities and training and get alongside him. And it's, you know, that's uh, what Paul says to Timothy, isn't it? Pass on to reliable men um, that they might they might pass it on to others. And, and we've got a responsibility for that. Um, so having said all that, like we need to have practical training and stuff. You're going off to do, well, you're not going off. You're doing it at home. Um, you're doing like a master's degree, which, you know, I can just imagine asking your teachers when you're 14 uh, what response we get. Ian's going to go do a master's degree. That'd be hilarious. Um, but why? Why Why now, right? Why, why do you want to go back to, um, back to school, I guess? Uh, a number of reasons. I think first is, so the, one of the things that attracted me to the CMTC course with Martin Woody was it was advertised as being for everyone the lay person the church member and that you didn't need to have any academic qualifications to get in so I left school with a, a, a C in drama and a C in art and the rest would be you should have got an A star in drama you <laughs> I think it was because every every act that I did involved a riot and was smashing up the police van so <laughs> I think it was just repetitive. You can, you can cry on cue, though. They wouldn't need any of that stuff on your eyes, would they? I'm, I'm good at good at the old emotions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then I, I went on to do A-levels and, and failed. But So, academically, I, I, I was pretty poor, not because of the ability, but I think just where I come from and, and aptitude and stuff like that, attitude. But I did go on and I, I worked offshore and I had industrial qualifications that weren't easy to get. I was a industrial radiographer, I did MPI and magnetic particle inspection and tested wells for a living. So, but they weren't transferable, transferable into like uni. Uh, I'd applied for courses and basically they wanted me to do either recent GCSEs or to then go and uh, do a foundation course. I didn't have the time or the inclination or the money to do that. So when I went on this course, I was like, oh, bonus. 
you don't need any qualifications, but in there you still have to be academic because mm. we had to do bibliographies and, and and many of my, my 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 marks were marked down because I just refused to do a bibliography or to use a right. I, I just remember what 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 do we need margins for? Does it matter what the margins are? That's that's all I remember. Yeah, I was furious that I'd, I'd lose <laughs> points that no, the content might have been spot on, but because they had the wrong size margin, I'd lose points. So. Just to prove a point and be deliberately awkward, I just refused to do that academic stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a frustration, which, which uh, although it was more accessible than other courses, it still hindered some people. Uh, and then I, I've done training, and, and I've and I've I've had experience as a pastor. I'm training pastors across the world and supporting pastors in in Africa, in Europe, in, in South America. And, and yet when I come to get training myself, uh, they wanted me to do a foundation course again, or go and do a BA and study courses, subjects that I, I already know and I'm teaching. So it would be a purely an academic exercise to get a qualification so I could then go and further my knowledge uh, with, with a master's. So, Within our tribe, I tried all the usual suspects and I couldn't get in to do a master's. I couldn't even get into some places to do a BA because I don't have the relevant GCSEs or, uh, or, or A-levels. So I, I applied to all nations and uh, I think they only applied because I, I expected them to reject me and they like to do a podcast about how <laughs> certain class people are excluded from seminary. But, Not uh, working class people as well, just you. Yeah, yeah. So surprisingly, they said, "Yeah, uh, do a book critique, and and if you if we like what you do, you can join." So I was accepted, and do you know what? I actually what encouraged me was I was doubting: do I have the aptitude to do a master's? Because yes. I've been told that I couldn't get in anywhere else. I thought, well, I might be biting off more than I can chew here. But they were they weren't desperate for me to come because they needed people, but they were really encouraging to get me on board because they recognise there isn't enough people like me studying at their college. So it, this this college is evangelical, but it's ecumenical and there's a lot of different people in there from the different theological tribes to me. Uh, but you know what? To their credit, they were the only seminary that like invited me in. So they're the only ones that recognise that voices like mine aren't being heard, that, that we don't get the opportunity to learn or they don't get the opportunity to learn from people like me as well. So that's the long <laughs> version of why I applied. Uh, and the other reason why I applied is, look, uh, I don't feel that working class people or people who are less academic should have to go through the same process as others to become ministers or pastors. Mm. But the sad thing is, one of the reasons why my voice isn't being heard is because a lot of the things that I share are anecdotal. So what I'd like to do is use this academic route so people who aren't listening to me now might take me more seriously if I'm if I'm presenting an academic argument as well as an anecdotal argument. So it's not just for me, this this is hoping to uh, yeah, help to change the landscape, really. It, it's a tool to help change the landscape. And uh, we're seeing movements within uh, people like me who who are in positions now of, of uh, leadership. And yeah, I'm hoping that it can be used to encourage more people like me to study, to get into ministry and to help people who are like me to understand the difficulties that we face 
uh, to get to where I am today. Yeah, because I was going to ask you actually, what you know, what what do you want to achieve from it? Because I mean, we were just chatting before, right? And like, I I did all right at school. It kind of went downhill after that. Um, I mean, I scraped through and I went to university and I was a teacher and stuff. But like, actually studying, I, not not. I, once I was sixteen, I was like, I, I can't be bothered with that. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of did the minimum required. Finished my did my started and finished my dissertation in eight days and and stuff. And it, it just like for me the idea of going back to college now or uni or whatever and 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 studying and doing essays and stuff when i don't need to yeah yeah yeah. you know because obviously i did cmtc because i needed some kind of um i guess accreditation or or whatever so i knew i needed training Mm. for for ministry and and that was pretty much the only way you could do it right Mm. um but you don't need to Mm. um and and for me, if I, if I don't need to study, I, I, I ain't gonna do it. You know, I don't mean I'm I don't want to learn, but I don't. You know, the idea of writing essays and all that. But and, and I guess for you, I, well, I know for you because I've I've seen you work through it. You hate writing essays. So is it is it just that you want to do it for other people, or, or is there something about getting back and getting stuck into books and being made to do the work that that you're thinking help you grow as a pastor and as Christian and a husband etc yeah so one of the reasons is I looked at master's courses out there and I didn't want to do a master's just for the sake of doing a master's like I don't want to write a dissertation on whether Luther flipping had verrucas or something like that do you know what I mean I'm not interested in a lot of the masters that are being offered but this one's in missiology and I have a passion for mission uh, and I have a passion for the subject so for me, this is something that excites me. I want to learn more about mission. I want to uh, read widely where one of the things coming from a, a different theological background and then becoming reformed meant that I shut down all these other voices and I only listened to a certain type of theology and teaching. Uh, I've been accused of being woke on some of these podcasts because of the different people that I've been listening to uh, or been interviewing. But I was just aware of how close I'd become theologically and want to hear different voices. Uh, we've discussed Esau Macaulay and Reading Why Black. I'm currently reading Urban Apologetics by uh, Dr. Eric Mason and listening to some of the, the black and ethnic voices coming from the States and the UK, but also across the world. So I have a passion to hear. I love contextualization and I can contextualize for the working class, but if I'm training pastors across the world, I haven't got a clue what situation they're in. So I want to learn from them. I, I don't know. It's just uh, exciting to hear how the word of God is applied to uh, different situations across the world. So that's my first thing. Uh, but like, if you give me 10 books that I would really enjoy reading, I'm probably not going to read them if I don't have a deadline. <laughs> so having formal deadlines help people like me because if, if I, if I don't stick to them, then I'm, I've lost three grand, haven't I? So... <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the money at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so again, just uh, having that formal side, it's, I don't know, I love it. It's, it's, uh, I'm also meeting with people who were in ministry in different parts of the world, in different contexts, who were, who were different to me theologically. So again, it's also going to teach me to sympathetically and uh, gently... Uh, discuss differences with people uh, I'm not being known for the most gentle of, <laughs> of people but you know what I, I love apologetics 
And the best way to, to learn to, uh, to do that is to to discuss things with people who you disagree with, isn't it? So uh, again, apologetics is something that really excites me. So this is an opportunity to develop in that as well. Yeah. Um, and why? What I mean, kind of you said like part of the reason you want to go to all nations or do it distance learning anyways is because they're the only ones that'll have you um <laughs> but there's more to it than that right it, it is this kind of reading outside your tribe meeting different people is there all else that 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 you thought oh this is this is the place for me yeah well again it, it's 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 purely focused on mission and, and and to be fair it's mission in in foreign countries in in different cultures and contexts but Middlesbrough is a foreign country mate <laughs> yeah yeah but that, that's the point that's the point for for me I, I don't understand why pastoral training it should be essential that anyone wanting to plant a church does missiology because we are in an unreached people group not just in hard places like ours but across the UK we are post-Christian so therefore anyone going into pastoral ministry should have a basic understanding of, of mission so I want to learn from how mission is being done abroad. And, and do you know what? When you're reading about the difficulties that these uh, pastors and planters, how the local church in these indigenous areas have been ignored by mission teams and roughshod, and you could change uh, short-term missions and mission teams to wealthy middle-class churches and, and local indigenous churches to poor English churches. The same thing's happening in the UK uh, through bad... Uh, ecclesiology through bad mission and outreach and as it is across the world so again I'm I'm also looking for ammunition to prove my <laughs> to uh, to get some academic people who uh, have seen the, the the problem of local churches or poorer churches being dominated by wealthier churches I'm hoping to use that to back up the arguments that we're making for the inequalities in the church in the UK as well. So you're here first, folks. The uh, In Context podcast is now going to uh, consist of Ian reading these essays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, I'm, I'm only early in. I haven't sent an assignment in. I could be kicked off by the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> After being this podcast then, won't we? Yeah. Um, so what is, it, what is it then that we need to do in the UK to, to remove some of these barriers? Because... I reckon, you know, we, let's not use that word privilege, but just, you know, I had uh, my parents who were teachers, you know, a stable home, et cetera, et cetera, and did all right at um, school, blagged uni, but, you know, I've done it, been a teacher. I reckon, I know this doesn't sound arrogant, but I reckon I, I could apply to any of these unis and probably get on, right? Yeah. But you've kind of gone, oh, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do the other. What, what is it, what, what's a way forward? Because obviously, like, there's good colleges like this that, that, that want a broad range of people, that want people, even if they haven't got the academic qualifications or whatever. Um, what needs to happen to allow um, training, whether it's training like you're doing now, a bit of further studies or whatever, or... Um, training for pastors what what is it that needs to change so that we get a broad diverse range of people on there because the other thing is that if if you can only get on to 
um, seminary or whatever with a degree, then those those places become self-selecting and you do your degree with people like you because everybody's got to have a degree to be there. So what what is it that you think needs to needs to be done to change? Well, to start with, you could employ people to uh, lecturers who haven't got degrees but have vast amounts of experience yeah. and knowledge uh, who, who could it's not it's, it hasn't been learned in the seminary it's been learned in the field so get these people who are rich in knowledge through experience rather than academia that would help to uh, broaden the minds of the, the academics who are studying for starters but it also encourage other people like me and them to uh, pursue maybe uh, an academic route but also finances is a big issue I remember saying how I couldn't afford to study and somebody said to me uh, quite a prominent wealthy Christian said to me well it's like a, a, a plumber buys his tools it's worth the investment to buy your tools I said yeah but a plumber gets like 30 quid an hour <laughs> I'm on less than minimum wage so it's like the reality it's not just that right because when I looked at training you know, CMTC being cheap wasn't only an attractive thing for you. You know, if I'd have if I'd have wanted to go to college, not only would I have had to stop working, but my wife would have had to stop working. Whereas both of us carried on working in different guises while we did it. And and I we couldn't have afforded. We you know we were both teachers. We couldn't have afforded to go away to seminary. Um, and so so that that is a massive thing, isn't it? Because you know, if it's safe, especially if you go to Oak Hill or somewhere like that, you've got to go live in London, you've got to pay the fees, you've got to, got to do all that. You know, if, you, if you're a young lad just fresh out of university and you just carry on your student loan or whatever, that's cool. But not something we could do at our stage of life that, that we started getting into ministry. Well, another thing as well is do what all nations did. They, they, they took uh, references from... From pastors who explained what I was doing. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a lecturer on the Ragged School of Theology, so he explained that I'm also a trainer for Acts 29. So they shared the cross-cultural uh, ministry that I was doing and the teaching that I was doing with them. So they thought, wow, if, he, if, he, if he's equipped to teach, he should also be equipped to learn. So yes. uh, dropping the bar and, and, and thinking, do you know what? We we do have, it is academic. I'm not saying that if you want to study for a master's and that you should be able to go if you can't read or write. But what I'm saying is there should be alternatives that are equally valued for people who can't read or write, can't read or write as well. Yeah. So what we have is we have people saying, oh, isn't the ragged school of theology great, but how many people would accept an accreditation from them with equal value from somewhere, say Union or Oak Hill or, or something like that? Uh, so for me, it's uh, not just paying lip service to the alternative training that's out there, but actually recognising it. So somebody like me who may have trained with a ragged school of theology after three years, they'd, they'd accept that uh, as a stepping stone to a master's rather than making them do a foundation course or a BA or look for A-levels or GCSE marks before admitting them onto a course. So it's again, it's showing value to the alternative training that's out there, not just praying lip service to it yeah and um what about when so you said you want to think about mission and stuff what 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 are you focusing in on what what you know what what do you want to come out of it with yeah, in yeah. terms of you know what what knowledge do you want to learn what 
what is it that's going to, you're going to come out of it and say, yeah, well worth doing that. Three years well spent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, it's a pass. So, yeah. so if I haven't passed, then I'll be a bit good and thinking that one. <laughs> but, yes. but the good thing is, again, so the first year, I'll finish my first year and I'll have a certificate. So even if I struggle in the second year, I haven't wasted three years just doing a master's. I'll have got a certificate, then hopefully a diploma, then hopefully by the end, a master's. So at whatever stage I may pack in, there will be a, a recognised qualification, which, again, will validate some of the things that I'm saying. By I'm, I'm not just saying this isn't anecdotal. I've actually studied and researched, and a bit like Mez's new book that's coming out, yeah. it's backed up by... We've been saying the same thing for a long time and not many people have listened. But when you shot statistics and academic research behind things and people, if they ignore you then, it's because they don't want to hear the truth. They can't just- Yeah, they might still ignore you, but there's no excuse. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I'd also like to, to look at, I'm talking from a context in Middlesbrough, but I'd like to do some research for the dissertation finally is looking at mission to council estates and how varied it is. So what I'd like to do is look at the similarities, but also the difference. In Middlesbrough, it's like 95% white. What does mission on a council estate in Manchester look like where it might be 95% uh, black? And how can we encourage uh, not just uh, white working class men from the north of England, but black working class men to do a similar work? What are the obstacles in their way? How can we help them? Because they have extra obstacles that are, are may not have. So these are just some of the things that I, I want to look at and We've highlighted a big problem, but that big problem has lots of different facets to it. And I'd like to bring out a few uh, of those different problems within the huge problem, how we can make. When you just look at a big problem, you think there's no end to it. But when you look at the building blocks behind that problem, you can start tackling one thing at a time, can't you? Education is just one of them. Uh, finance is just one of them. Uh, lack of uh, accessibility. CMTC is shut down because of the likes of Crosslands and Union. So if I was in the same position now, I'd have nowhere to go unless I went up to uh, Scotland, which is expensive, which is a full day's travel. <laughs> so, yeah, these are just the things that we can help hopefully change. Because people, regardless of whether you like it or not, people with money, funders, they don't take anecdotes uh, as proof. They want evidence. So... Again, research is something to show these funders to maybe divert uh, the funding or share the funding, which is usually given that scene as a safe bet. If we can prove uh, the need uh, and the success of what we're doing academically, that might help release some funds and resources our way. Yeah. Might even make some money out of it, mate. Just do what most historians do and get, um, get your PhD. Get Jonathan Carswell to make your PhD into a book. <laughs> you don't have to do any work to write a book. You just say, uh, put that in some covers. And then, you know, yeah. follow up to Mezzer's book. Yeah. Um, I think I think it is, it's it, it, it's having that opportunity, isn't it? It comes down to, um, we've talked about this before, but like most people think that um, the issue with around class is all about money. Yeah. So often it's about opportunity. Um, and you've not got the opportunity to maybe maybe because of you know like lots of other working class lads particularly white working class lads um didn't necessarily do as well at school as you did as you could have done and that means opportunities are limited going forward um and i think it's about broadening that opportunity in it 
so that um, there's different options. You know, if, if you're someone like me who says, I'm quite happy to read some books and stuff, but, you know, I don't want to be writing essays or whatever, but I, that, that's cool. But if you do want to do that and you need to be forced to do that, you've got the opportunity without having to go back and, you know, like, like you said, go back and do a foundation degree where you're basically learning to suck eggs. Yeah. You know, um, but the, the difficulty is we're so rooted into an academic system. I'm reading a book at the minute by a guy from the Northeast called uh, David Skelton. Don't agree with all his politics before anyone says. Um, you probably do, because um, he's a Tory boy. But one of the things he's saying in that book is that um, we, we have completely given all the esteem to academic careers and professional careers and to academic learning. And we've just denigrated, like you were talking about the technical things you did out on the rigs. We've, we've, just, we've just wiped aside all those kind of practical learning things in our society. And so the only way you can succeed in life is be academic and become part of the middle class. And, and I think if we're, as a church, we should be saying, well, no, we want to provide opportunities for everybody, um, whether they did well academically as a kid or not, so that they can progress and they can learn and, and people can, uh, the church can go forward together. Um, and again, it's like access. So just being on this course, I have access to literature that I, I've never even heard of, which is unbelievable literature. Some of I'm just reading chapters out of books and being so blessed by these guys who, who have gone before us, who have, uh, yeah, who, who, who are coming from indigenous uh, groups who have been harmed and their mission has been harmed. The local church has been harmed by well-intentioned Christians coming <laughs> along. Uh, but without consultation and just running roughshod over all the work that they've been doing and then disappear and they've got been left to pick up the pieces. So some of these, some of the, the, the works, uh, but they're not just sharing the struggles, they're sharing uh, what they've been doing, how, how they've been contextualising, how they're applying the word of God. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a broader range of uh, insight into the word of God that I wouldn't have got if I hadn't have gone yeah. to uh, study a master's. But also one of the reasons is I have an opportunity to. So I've, I've, I've complained for years for the lack of access that I can't go because of accessibility or affordability and things like that. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly 50 now. I'm, I'm in a role that has changed. So I'm not as hectic as I have been. Uh, I, I have funding to pay for the cost. The only thing that I didn't have was a college willing to accept me. So now I've got that. The obstacles... Uh, are out the way so I have no excuse for not doing it now if I want to whinge about lack of access then <laughs> the worst thing I could do is once I have access is, is not do it because I'm just a hypocrite if that was the case so the onus is on me now to to work hard and, and get stuck into it and uh, yeah and I think the more people like me that get into these uh, uh, onto these courses I think it'll change and shape the courses to make it easier for more people like me to to access them yeah it makes it um it makes it seem viable doesn't it yeah yeah you see i just think it's a mind shift for a lot of people and if there's not people doing it then it'll stay it'll it'll stay impossible but well, as, as you see more people doing it, it it looks like an option and again graham it's 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 ironic isn't it so we will get up and say the current training for pastoral ministry is not adequate for everyone 
So then the first reaction is, oh, so what's wrong with it? It's, it's bad. And we should just shut yeah. We're not saying that. We're just saying it's not the only option. The easy, yeah. I'm not a hypocrite by saying that the, the, the route into ministry is, is flawed and then follow that same route because I've got access to that. So what I'm saying is it is flawed, but it's, it's still good, but only for a certain type of person. We need to have alternatives. We don't get rid of what we've got. We just add to it. And that's all I think Steve was saying. <laughs> if you, follow, yeah, the, if you follow, follow the thread, you see that isn't what people were hearing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, we've talked about this before, haven't we? You know, they, we, we can say whatever you want, but pe- people people hear differently. And I'm sure we we hear differently from what people are saying often as well. But yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll probably leave it there, mate. But um, yeah, we'll wish you all the best on your course. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I look forward to hearing about your margins and your bibliography and your references. And hopefully, I won't get uh, expelled for smoking. Right, bud. Nice See one. You soon. Good to talk to you. And thanks for listening to the Incontext podcast.